Greetings and blessings, saints, and welcome to the Jesus in the Real World podcast. This is a layman's journey through the wilderness of faith, where God has revealed himself through his spirit and through his word, and is teaching, leading, and molding me as a citizen of the kingdom of God on this earth until I reach that promised land. How about we take that journey together? Think you know your Bible? Come and see. Greetings and blessings, saints, and welcome to the Jesus in the Real World podcast. I'm your host, Gil Maza, an itinerant Bible teacher and layman walking this wilderness truck of faith with you all. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that you and your families are continuing to survive and thrive by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit through this pandemic, and that you're staying positively focused on your spiritual, mental, and physical health. For episode four today of, the, of this podcast, I'm continuing my interviews with our pastors and leaders here at Lighthouse Church uh, inside California. Throughout this pandemic, we've seen them rise to the occasion and show their love and their compassion and dedication and commitment to all the saints in our church in so many different ways. We've seen them take the lead and come up with innovative and creative ways to support us, to protect us, to keep us strong and keep us and hold us all together. Today, I have the unmitigated pleasure of talking with Basilio, our pastor, Basilio Ramirez, our worship pastor. And I want to tell you a little bit about him before we get started. And uh, this is going to be a long one, so I was going to hire someone to do it. <laughs> Basilio's education and experience specializes in music, arts, leadership training, and training. He's an experienced leader of music art programs in churches both the East and the West Coast. As an accomplished musician and producer, he's worked with numerous record companies and music executives. His skill has led him to partner with the multi-Grammy winning nominated music production houses in Los Angeles to produce platinum selling pop albums. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't. He has the opportunity to speak across the nation through seminars and conferences. He's a graduate of Berklee College of Music in Boston with a Bachelor of Music degree. He also has a, a double major in music production and engineering and music synthesis. He has a Master of Divinity degree in education with a concentration in leadership from Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. He has a certificate with distinction in leadership and organizational development from Stanford Graduate School of Business and a Certificate in Social Leadership from the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley. He's fluent in English and Spanish and is equally at ease in both cultures. Basilio is passionate about helping people reach their greatest potential through a positive message of faith, hope, and love. And his uh, superior skills and leadership lead us and guide us, and we see those every single day through his ministry at the church, through his ministry, through social media, and everything else. Basilio loves to cook. And I'm sorry, ladies, but he's already taken. Uh, this one's going to kill you, too. He loves to clean. Clean cars, clean house. Uh, just when I thought you couldn't get better, Basilio. And uh, he loves, obviously loves to work out and exercise. I guess that's what, to keep ahead of all the brisket, the Texas brisket <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Blessings to you, brother, and uh, it's great to have you here for the fourth episode of the Jesus in the World Real World podcast. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, and it's a pleasure for me to be here with you this day. Good. You know, uh, first of all, I'll ask you the same question that I asked in my other interviews. You know, how are you personally and your family holding up uh, through this pandemic time in our country? You know, I, I'm doing well personally. Um, I, I, I'm really just trying to stay focused in, um, uh, you know, keeping my eyes on 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 the prize, obviously on God, and and learning that, um, you know, we don't always need a crowd to to feel um, like we're in God's presence. God is with us, um, even when we're alone. Um, and this time has been definitely different, um, but. Uh, my family, obviously, I have no family in California. All my family's in Texas. So uh, I was hoping that they would come earlier this year um, in March, but obviously that got delayed and got delayed again in April. So uh, we're just waiting on that. Everybody's doing well. Uh, my parents, my brothers, and um, 
but I'm, I'm well, you know, obviously I'm anxious and excited to see what'll happen when we get back together, but I'm excited right now that we're able to still meet online. Um, as you know, I do a Facebook live stream Wednesdays at four on the, uh, lighthouse Facebook uh, page. And then I also do a, um, Sunday evening, 6 PM, um, growth group, uh, meeting via zoom. So I'm trying to stay connected and, and man, I'm just reaching out to people every day, calls, texts, emails, just, uh, you know, staying connected. Yes. And, uh, nobody in your family's gotten sick with it, right? Nobody. Everybody's been good thus far. Yeah. This guy. Oh man. You know what, uh, Basilio, and I want to talk to you, you made a point about talking about the Facebook live and I want to tell yeah. you a little bit. About that. I want to talk a little bit about that because yeah. of what the impact the last one had that I, that, that you did, I wasn't online for the, for the last one you did, but the one before that one I was, Yeah. I want to talk a little bit with you about the effect that had on me and how great that was and how great it was that you started that. But we'll, we'll discuss that when we get to another sure. yeah. part of it. Of course. So, you know that, um, and, and you know um, probably a little better than other people because I've shared it with you that uh, through this pandemic, I myself have had some kind of intense and unexpected mm -hmm. spiritual struggles, right? Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this situation, trying to figure out figure out my way, you know, what's it going to be? How am I going to continue my Bible studies? How am I going to continue my right. getting a little spiritually lazy and complacent because hey, I had a you know I had a little free time, which I it, it, it felt good in the beginning. But after a while, I noticed it started to break up and tear down my spiritual growth and my spiritual walk with God. Huh. I started to get really weak spiritually. Mm. So my question for you is, can you share with us perhaps some of your own personal struggles, worries, or fears and how you've managed them throughout this process? You know, I, I really think that, um, you know, I don't have any fears, you know, I trust in God and I know it seems kind of, you know, oh yeah, whatever he's got it going on. But, you know, I trust God during this time. Perhaps one of the um, hesitations I have about what's going on specifically with this pandemic um, and the guidance from government, I'm, I'm really, I'm really taken back by the pushback against, against churches, against um, faith groups. Um, against Christians. And I think this is one of the more obvious times that we're seeing a country and a government that has really shifted from the moral compass being God to um, ourselves, to trust in ourselves. And um, I'm anxious to meet again. Um, you know, why yeah. something's not considered essential and something else is, you know, that's that's a question to me. And without getting too political, I think this is also making me see that um, we definitely, as an American church, I think have gotten very uh, comfortable. We've gotten complacent in routines. And I think it's really shedding light on blind spots that we have um, mm -hmm. as pastors, as a ministry, as the American church. Everybody looks to America, to our country, uh, for what to do. I mean, you see it in entertainment, you see it in music, you've seen it as well in Christianity. but. Um, and there are a lot of great people doing great things as far as ministry, as far as churches. But I think it's really revealing a lot of gaps, a lot of um, things that we're doing that maybe we shouldn't be doing and things that we're doing that we should do more. So those are really my hesitations and observations during this time. I, one of the things that you, that you said kind of stood out at me, and that's blind spots, right? It's kind of funny for me, and, and I know for you, you know, church takes up a, lot, a big part of our week and our weekend. Sunday is set aside for church. You don't make plans on Sunday morning for yeah. the most part. At least I don't. I know a lot of people will, will will give up a Sunday. I've given up Sundays to do other things or go on vacation with my family. Yeah. But I don't. And I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. The, but the gap that it's left in my life has opened up in my brain some blind spots in my life that I, I guess, um, like Greg Laurie once said, right, an unguarded strength is a double weakness. Mm hmm when you've taken for granted something for so long, like yeah. that intense fellowship, that intense friendship, that intense love, that intense worship, that gathering together with the, with the and seeing their smiling faces, yeah. get, people get excited when they see you. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the world is starving for right. that. Yeah. And we have that right there. So yeah, you know, I'm, I definitely can identify with the idea that I have also discovered so many blind spots yeah. that, the Holy Spirit has illuminated for me. Yeah. And, you know, this is the time. Don't waste your time. Yeah. Scott, something in the last interview, he said, don't live, don't live expecting of the future. Like, I got to wait till this happens. 
like you're living live this now live yeah. in the that was very good advice but yeah but yeah that um that stroke a key in me you know look for those blind spots yeah get the light of the, the holy spirit on them and yeah. do something about them right absolutely and 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 the reason i put that out is when i speak and when i when i write or whenever i share something it's something that i have for me that i'm really impressing on myself what are my blind spots what are things that i'm doing i shouldn't be doing what are things i need to do more um, we only get so much time on this earth, and man, we we have to redeem it. And I, I wonder if sometimes we're just busy, just being busy instead of mm-hmm. doing ministry, you know, and actually doing something productive. So I see that for my life. Sorting out what really doesn't matter to what does. Yeah, that's yeah. What we make, that's a makes good way it, to put it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Amen. Uh, so speaking about that whole idea, and you kind of started shifting into that a little bit, yeah. right? Is you know we're. We're seeing organizations change the way they do business, uh, all kinds of things, Zoom, Bible studies, live telecasts, Facebook videos, uh, a lot of things done electronically. Man, I can sit here with my coffee and my shorts and my big bag of and just enjoy a uh, worship service in the comfort of my home, right. and turn the TV off and go take a nap or go on and do what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, what do you think churches are going to look like after this is all over and... What kind of church, specifically for you, what kind of church is going to survive when we all get back to whatever the new normal is? Yeah. Well, I think we know that the gospel, the Bible has survived through the times. God's word will never uh, go away. Um, It will always prevail, even in the midst of persecution, in the midst of pandemic. Um, I believe that the church will survive if Christ is the center of everything being done. If the goal continues to be the same goal, right, to preach the gospel and to make disciples, that church will always continue to exist. Now, the definition of thriving, I think, is is an opinion. Although, you know, a thriving church is a healthy church where you see people there. Obviously, that's that's something visible. But the churches that will make it through this are the churches that are true to, like I said, preaching the gospel, making disciples. The other thing that I would say is two more things, and, and I, you know, I don't know if these are necessarily gospel um, facts, but the things that I've observed, number two, the church that will survive in the future is the church that embraces this next generation. I'll give you an example. They did a study a couple years ago. I think it was at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, and they, they, they were looking at churches that were in decline, churches that were dying. And so they decided to do a few things. They decided, okay, um, let's fix the building, let's upgrade it, let's do this with the, the, the production, let's up the music, let's do this, the, you know, different things to kind of make it look modern and cool. And, and, and all those were good things, but they found that the churches that started growing in that group were the churches that embraced this next generation. If we don't find ways to reach this next generation, it's possible that a whole generation is going to go straight to hell and we did nothing about it. And so that should be the beautiful burden we have as preaching the gospel, making disciples, really embracing that next generation. The third thing I would say is the church that will survive in the future is the church that exploits and takes advantage of technology. Um, I was looking at a picture from 2005. It was the Pope at that time speaking. And there's always a crowd in front of where he speaks at the Vatican. And they just took a picture of the people that were listening to him. There were one or two people with, you know, old cell phones, flip phones, taking pictures. And then 10 years later, they took another picture um, of people listening to the Pope and everybody had a cell phone, which tells you what, there's been a huge shift in technology. So churches that have really embraced the online church, um, the moderating, you know, we can post services and stream live, uh, but if we don't have a team of people equipped, ready to take calls to to, to acknowledge if people have come to Christ, that people that need prayer requests, if we don't acknowledge and exploit our technology, um, those churches will not be around who seem to be doing things business as usual. So that, that, that's just my observation, in my opinion. So, so you said something, your second point was that, you know, we have to put Christ, the church that's going to succeed is going to put Christ at the focus. Yeah. And in any of my Bible studies, any amount of time, I have said many times, that it's the sacrifice of the generation before us that brought Christ to us and allowed us to partake of that salvation, to become saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, to receive that salvation for ourselves. Right. And so the, 2,000 years ago, everybody that became Christian had to give up their lives, had to lose their 
livelihood, their houses, their property, everything to run, yeah. start new lives and a wholly different in a whole different way. And so they've made the sacrifice that's lasted literally over two thousand years to get you and I saved. And I say, what are the is the generation after us? If Jesus should tarry, what are we doing? to make sure that the gospel is secured in them. And so generations down the road, should the Lord wait, are they going to be able to look back at our, you and I and say, yeah, these guys did everything they could mm. to make sure I heard the gospel and became saved myself. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's a huge, I call it a beautiful burden, but that's, it's up to us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is a burden, right? We want, you know, I think too many times we, we preach an easy believism, an easy walk in the wilderness. Nobody had it. Not one person had it easy in the Bible. No. And I'm not saying we need to we need to suffer. And I don't think we need to go out of our way to suffer, right? That comes to us. But uh we definitely need to set aside our life has to be set aside in such a way, just like the Jewish uh, people in the beginning, they were set apart people to represent God on this earth. Mm -hmm. We are now the set apart people also, Jews and Gentiles all come together yeah. to set apart God as Lord of this earth and make sure that he's well represented for the next generation yeah absolutely so with that let me ask you this question sure. so i already know the answer to this by the way okay <laughs> because i'm i'm you know uh, i'm a big part of it and you're very obnoxious and annoying <laughs> making sure that i'm doing my part just so you know i'm guilty of that <laughs> I, I, and i say that tongue-in-cheek now what have been your top priorities as the associate worship pastor of our church in getting our flock through this pandemic you know there there the thing that i think will unite a people whether in any organization whether in the marketplace you know secular market or in the church there has to be a clear vision and it has to be communicated and over communicated and it has to be inspiring and tangible uh for example if our vision was for the church to preach the gospel, that's an amazing thing, but it's so vast. And if we say we want to preach the gospel to the world, well, the world is so big. It's several billions of people. I mean, how will we accomplish that? Is that tangible? Now, we could use technology, but having a clear vision that's inspiring and that's tangible um, is what I think unites a church. One of the things I try to do in the worship community is say, okay, this is what we stand for. These three things. Number one, to pursue God in worship. Number two, to build community, and number three, to unleash compassion. Unleash compassion. If we're hitting those three things and we can unite on those things and have a healthy circle, making sure that everything we plan, everything we do flows through that vision, then we're doing our task. If it doesn't flow through that, and it's something good, but it doesn't really match that vision, um, then we don't do it. But then the second part is there has to be a, a clear mission or a plan to accomplish the vision. So I can say, well, yeah, let's pursue God in worship, but that's very general. But I say, let's pursue God in worship in our weekend services. Let's make them the best we can. That's a pretty clear plan of how we're going to do that. Then the details we can get to, well, how do we make the weekend plans, the weekend services the best? Mm -hmm. The the um, build community part is um, what we do at rehearsals, what we do at growth groups together as a, as a, as a lighthouse worship community, um, you know meeting together online via Zoom, um, all those types of things that help us stay connected. That's the community part. So I tell people, if you're going and you're just, you know, it's good to hang out, but if you're not having some sort of spiritual talk, it's not really filling that second part of building community. And the third part I think is, is so important is the unleashing compassion part. And that's actually serving, getting our hands dirty, getting our feet wet. Um, and, and I tell people, look, if we are to do those three things as a vision, and then our mission is to do that within the area of Oceanside, because that's our that's our, our battleground, if you will, it becomes more tangible. It's like, okay, now I see the vision. Now I can take hold of it. Now I can be a part of it. And man, I want to invest in it. And one thing I've discovered, especially with this next generation, and I think I've, I've said this to you before, back in the day, um, someone would preach you know, and, and somehow it affected the listener's mind and that affected their heart, which then put their hands to work. This generation is completely the opposite, which is why compassion efforts are so important. 
this generation says, man, let me do something with my hands. Let me change the world. I'm desperate to see change. And on top of that, they want to put that on social media, which is perfect. It's free marketing, right? But yes. they say, put my hands to work. Well, here's what happens. When you put their hands to work, that starts to stir their heart. Why are they doing this? Well, for us, it's, man, because of Jesus and the gospel. And that messes with their mind. Oh, I have to understand what the gospel is. This is why we're using our hands. This is why it affects my heart. And this is why it's messing with my mind. So I think that I've tried to communicate and over-communicate that vision and that mission or plan. And um, we're going to keep doing it until, until God says change it. But I think that's preaching the gospel, making disciples. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm definitely a victim of that vision. <laughs> Especially through Operation Hope, right? Because yeah. things, uh, when Pastor brought you onto the church, one of the things right away that uh, many of us noticed about you is that that desire, that uh, that unrelenting urge to get out in the community, man. Let, let's get out. Let's put our footprint in this community. Let's let's make sure that if somehow Lighthouse was to be, it was to disappear tomorrow, that people... Even just outside of, obviously, you and I would miss it. My, my, the people I love at church, the people that love me would miss it. Yeah. But would unity miss us? And uh, you've been championing Operation Hope. Yeah. You've been championing seekers with their ministry to the teens and the young men, trying to get give to get them the skills yeah. that that uh, some schools no longer teach them. Right, the practical skills, practical abilities to live life yeah. between postmaster suicide intervention all right. those things but uh you're constantly yeah on me and on diana you know send me an update what's yeah. going and uh you i don't know if you're if you're interested in a quick update yeah, absolutely go ahead yeah so many people from lighthouse are obviously starving to do something tangible in the community that we have received an overflow of funds to buy them the supplies they need, especially through the pandemic. I mean, if you and I are str are, are struggling for TP, not because we need it, but because everybody says we we need we need to have it, right? Uh, they're even struggling worse. Cleaning supplies. Diana this weekend has gone three different times to three different stores to get them enough the, all the cleaning supplies that they need. We're going to Costco today to pick them up even more stuff, and we may be able to get one at a time, but there's We'll go to five different stores to get them what they need. People calling in saying, we'll take over. You know, during this pandemic, a lot of people fell away for many different reasons. And in, in doing that week, that weeknight meal for Operation Hope, we've, Lighthouse has taken up the slack, bro. Wow. We have people calling and saying, I'll sponsor Tuesday night. I'll yeah. sponsor Wednesday. What do we do? How do we do it? Right. Bring flies and games and, you know, all kinds of things. And so I have seen more of a shift in through this pandemic yeah. of life becoming a church on the ground. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. Well, I, I think you're hitting on something where when we talk about compassion, it has to be tangible. It has to be where people are like, man, this is, this is, this is cool. This is the vision. This is the mission. But we, it's good to do mission work. I believe in mission work, but mission work doesn't have to be across the ocean. Mission work can be in our backyard, and that's what... That's why I'm so excited about Operation Hope. It's in Vista. Um, they have a great vision for what they want to do. They want to get people on their feet, and they also want to expose them to the gospel, whether it's through people's lives or directly. And then Seekers with, with Jeff and Sylvia Roddy, I think, is doing a great thing and speaking into this next generation. Uh, so that's why I'm telling you, we have to reach out to this next generation by any means. I will say this. The reason I've been so passionate about it is because, um, and I want to support it as much as I can, my biggest fear as a pastor, one of the things that I told the elders when I was interviewing for this position is one of my biggest fears as a staff member of any church is to be caged inside four walls of a building for 40, 50, 60, 70 hours with nothing to show for it. Um, I don't believe that our work as pastors is inside four walls. Some of it is, you know, there's some administrative stuff, some managerial stuff, all that kind of stuff. But clearly Ephesians 4 talk, talks about equipping the saints for ministry. All parts of the body are equally important. Pastors have been asked to help equip and sharpen those parts that, that people can do better ministry. And so, you know, the church does us as pastors, as staff, 
the kindness of providing for us on a full-time basis. They could tell mm -hmm. us, hey, you know what? Um, thank you, but no thank you. Time to move on at any point. Um, obviously, that depends on the structure and the way the church is run. But we have to remember that we don't walk around with um, sitting on our high horse. We are called to wash feet. And so I've always imagined being a pastor, as I was taught, that someone who spent time with people that did life with them, not asking them, you go here and there. This isn't Roman times, and these aren't my soldiers. These, these are God's soldiers. These are Christ's soldiers for his kingdom. And I'm just asked to equip them to do their work better. So anyway, that, that's my heart. And that's why I believe in Operation Hope. That's why I believe in Seekers, because um, lives are being changed. Which brings me to a small point. People will be inspired by a vision that has stories. Stories sell. That's why I ask for updates from you and Diana, from Jeff and uh, Sylvia. If we don't have any updates of lives being changed, people are like, well, what's the point of this? Stories change. Uh, they sell, if you will. And it's a marketing thing. But when you see a life change and transform by Jesus Christ, it's incredible. You're, you're more inspired and inclined to go get your hands even dirtier and say, man, I've sold out for whatever this is. And it's the gospel in the end. Well, you know, you've inspired me to actually start going going live on Facebook when I'm driving the, the stuff over there. And you know what? Maybe, you know, I, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I got an ego the size of Mount Sinai. There's All of no us. <laughs> I go live because I, I want to see that anybody can do this, right? This isn't some kind of, people always, you know, sometimes they wait for, oh, the, it's, you know, you're going to have to do it this way or that way. And it gets so complicated, but it's not complicated. Yeah. You pick up stuff, you drive it over there. You, and, and right now, we're only allowed to drop it off. Right. You have. At, uh, you've gone to operation many so many times. I think you're going to start baptizing people. Over. <laughs> uh, taco night, yeah. um, you know, enjoying, you know, putting on music, treating them, you know. And that's another thing you said. You said, you know, uh, doing, you know, doing life with people, right? Like yeah. Scott said, life upon life on life. life, on know? life yeah. That phrase, mm -hmm. but you know, you add to it by saying, you know, doing life with people, and 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 we don't just show up and you know serve a meal. And say a prayer and call it a day. No, man, we get involved. We yeah. get engaged. We yeah. talk to them about Jesus. We we make it uh, fun. We make it exciting. Yeah. We touch their hearts. Yeah. And they and see and they know because of our approach that we're touching their heart because of Jesus Christ, yeah. not because for any other reason. And and you know they love and appreciate it there. And they don't. Nobody complains about well, there's too much religion or, too, <laughs> or there's too much. Nobody says a thing. Right. They well prayers because everybody that has served in operation hope uh diana starting it out with all her cadre of people right the approach is no we come here to love on people and feed them and give them bring them with the supplies that they need right and any amount of love we can we can heap upon that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and and man uh, again the people at lighthouse that have been mobilized through the messages you put out on uh, Wednesday, and that's another thing I want to talk to you about. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday. Uh, I thought to myself, you know what? It's a good thing that um, it's a good thing Basilio's going out there and doing that live thing. You know, I'll, I'll leave that to the to the sheep that need it. <laughs> but I get on that one day, man, and you're on there, and you're and you're you know playing the worship music, man, and all of a sudden, man, something just broke in me. Hmm. I realized uh, Basilio that I needed that as badly as anybody else did. You're calling for scriptures, man. All of a sudden, my brain goes kaboom. And like, <laughs> remember you're flooding the, 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 the comments with, hey, you know, does anybody know a scripture about this? I'm like, yeah. Let's I go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm putting in the scripture and, you know, and just feeling that uh, that wave of worship, that wave of togetherness. Yeah. Ooh, it was, you know, that was a great idea. And, and I know it was inspired spirit. I'm not going to give you a lot of credit for it. But, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired you to do that, and that was, I just want you to know that how much I personally appreciated that segment, and I wanted, and I want to do it again. Sometimes I'm home in time enough, or sometimes, but I want to be there because I realized it was something my spirit needed that I didn't realize I needed. Hmm. Yeah, no, and that's, that's a good thing. I appreciate that. You know, um, obviously, there are things we probably could have done better. I could have done better, um, I guess, embracing technology. And that was one of my observations when I got to Lighthouse. I said, huh, how do we actually make sure that we are prepared for many things? I mean, you can never prepare for something like this or never know about it. But it's like, man, how do we quickly 
you know, respond. And so that's why I do that Facebook live um, session. I'm, you know, it's Wednesdays at four. It's facebook.com slash LCCOO slash live. And, and, you know, people that can watch it live, will watch it live. And after we're done, it records and posts the page and people can watch it after. But just an opportunity for us as pastors to continue to be heard by the flock and to know that we're interested, you know, and so I think our pastors and elders are, are doing a great job behind the scenes doing stuff. And, and for those of us who can do stuff um, like this podcast or interviews, I mean, it goes a long way for people who want to hear something. Well, like you said, stories, right? And, and yeah. the reason I started this whole section, the, the podcast with these particular interviews right now, because it's very rare that the normal, the, 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 the average person that comes to church, even the people that we know at church, how many times do they get a one-on-one with you? How many times? one-on-one pastor yeah. and really get their heart on the situation that's going on. And that's why I, these particular questions I asked, first of all, how are you guys doing? What can we do as a flock to yeah. support, encouraging and blessing you guys and keeping you guys strong through this? Yeah. Or do it as you're, what you're trying to do to us yeah. to hear your, your thoughts on what the future, what are you struggling with? Yeah. How are you getting through it? What's the future look like? Everybody, obviously everybody has a, a, a preoccupation about the future. That's why the uh, tarot card and ESP and selling <laughs> industry is in, in the billions, right? Because yeah. people they'll even they'll even look in the darkest, ugliest places yeah. for some tidbit about the future. And we, as Christians, should have a corner market on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we, for us, it is settled. Yeah. Yes, we have to make day by day decisions. Yes, we have to. Uh, everything we do has to bring the, uh, along the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is among us. It has to be take, carried with us. But we should have. We should be the ones out there with the strongest message, saying, "You don't have to be concerned about your future, right? Because right. it, he, uh, because he's already been there. He holds the future, and if he holds the future, he holds us. If he yeah. holds us, we are already on. We are already one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. And, and one of the things that you just said that kind of, um, kind of sparked something is staying connected. Um, one of the things I always want to encourage in any organization I've done, uh, consulting for, for, uh, specifically in leadership and organizational development for, uh, companies outside. Uh, it's funny cause churches have never asked for help. I guess they seem to have it all together, <laughs> but uh, I worked with with different uh, clients, and and I'm talking about companies, you know, massive companies with hundreds and thousands of employees, thousands and millions and billions of dollars. And one of the things that I tell people is, for those who are leading, man, accountability and communication are huge. Um, again, that's why I, I always remind myself, you know, the church is doing me a kindness, and so I need to be accountable to the church. I need to be transparent. I need to be above reproach. Am I going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Am I going to offend people? Absolutely. But I'm going to make sure that I do that very, very few times I can and, and quickly amend things and quickly relieve, you know, alleviate things. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, communication and, and, and accountability are huge, especially as pastors, you know, for some reason people have us on a pedestal and man, God talks to you just like he talks to us. The only thing is that we're responsible for some other things in the church body, but God uses you the way he can use me and maybe even greater. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny. Yeah, the, the Apostle Paul also it, it was the same way. He uh, he said the the Bereans were more noble character because they accepted everything. They could help. Yeah. In times he could make a living from the gospel. When he couldn't, he uh, built tents. Yeah. So he's a good example, and the 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 the, uh, the examples throughout the scriptures. Yeah. Everybody had to kind of pitch in, move in, do their part, be focused, especially you know during the time, especially throughout the Book of Acts, where. I, 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 they see this shift of their culture and their life and everything that here. At the beginning, mostly Jewish people were saved. Yeah, giving up that heritage, right? That not their, not necessarily their ethnic background, but their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. How you know they're it's go, it's doing a complete shift now. And then now, then with the destruction of their temple and then in Jerusalem, that everything they held dear was decimated. Mm-hmm. It would be like, for instance, like, uh, I don't know, something like the White House blowing up in one day and our entire government being destroyed mm-hmm. all in one day. 
then that would throw the entire country into this panic chaos of unbelievable proportions. And that's them. And so uh, the idea that we need to be, that that, that in the midst of that, they managed to carry the gospel. We don't get a pass, right? We mean, Scott and I discussed this as well. Even in the worst of times, we don't get a pass on fulfilling our ministries, fulfilling our roles, fulfilling our spiritual gifts we've been given. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, not only am I passionate about pastoring within the worship arts community, but I believe that one of the things that um, for people to discover, well, what was I created to do? What are my spiritual gifts? What are my skills? That's why I think a discipleship is so important. This discipleship strategy and process at churches is so important. And in my observation, discipleship has pretty much died. Um, and what do you mean? Like people ask, well, what do you mean by discipleship? Well, I look at discipleship as this. I was taught this by one of my best friends, uh, professor at uh, Gateway Seminary. Uh, I, I look at people through level zero, one, two, three. And uh, level zero is a person that doesn't know Christ. Um, and so we want to move them from level zero to level three. Level one is the person who has just come to Christ, new Christian. Level two is a person being discipled. And a level three person is someone who's discipling others. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like churches don't even know what discipleship is. They don't remember how it's done or they've never been taught how it's done. And and I, I, I'm so saddened that we have... Um, and I don't mean this to, to slight anybody, but there's a lot of surface level stuff and it doesn't get past the surface level. And I think that that's harmful because Christians need to be deep rooted in this gospel, in the truth, right? And understanding what it is to preach the gospel, make disciples. If church is just about meeting up with our friends at church, which is a beautiful thing, there's a social aspect to church. Um, but if that discipleship process doesn't, first of all, isn't it doesn't exist and doesn't impress on us the whys, the tenets of, of our faith, it, it's, it, there's no future. And if a church is to survive, the discipleship process has to be rock solid. Um, one of the things I used to do, um, and I'd love to continue doing it if I can have time, and I've introduced it to um, some people at Lighthouse, is, is Master Life. Master Life is just an old process that uh, I did when I was a kid, and I've done it several times that helps people go from a level zero to level three. And everybody's expected to be discipled and to disciple others. But you ask people, well, what do you mean? How do you do that? It's our task to teach them, you know? So that's why I also believe strongly in discipleship. Amen. Amen. And so I mentioned this before that uh, obviously we're praying for you guys. Obviously we're doing our best to stay focused and keep ourselves focused. But what uh, is your, what should Lighthouse Saints be doing uh, while we're at home, while we're away from church, while we're away from gathering? What should they be doing or being for, or focusing on uh, through this pandemic time? I would bring them back to those three things that I mentioned that I encourage our, our Lighthouse worship community to do. Um, pursue God in worship. You know, have a time of worship, whether that's just silent meditation, whether that's reading the word, whether that's um, turning on the TV, turning on the radio, listening to a song that will encourage you, that will calm your spirit, and praying and seeking after God. Uh, I was sharing uh, this past uh, Wednesday. At Facebook live stream, it was the 20th of this month, May, and I was talking about a man who had lost his his arms um, and had lost his sight in an explosion, and he was a new Christian, and he was so hungry, that was the word, he was so hungry, and uh, the passage was Jeremiah chapter 15, I think, verses 15 to 21, that this new Christian was hungry just like Jeremiah was for a word from God. The issue is he couldn't see, so he couldn't read. He didn't have hands, so he couldn't read the Braille. And he discovered that he could read Braille with his lips. What turns out that in the explosion, he lost his sensory, um, his sensory, his ability to sense anything on his lips. Mm. So he couldn't read the Braille. And he was filled with joy when he found out that there was a woman who had similar challenges that was able to read Braille with her tongue. And he was so hungry as a new Christian to learn about this Jesus who loved him, about this gospel, about this God who loved him, and about this spirit that empowered him to preach the gospel. He's using his tongue to read Braille. So I want our people to experience a real hunger during this time for Christ. I hope that no one's ever had to experience starvation, 
But I know that we've been able to experience hunger, and this hunger hurts us. It's painful. We need something to quench it. This thirst that we can have sometimes if we haven't had water hydration, it hurts. And I think that's the kind of desperation of seeking after God that uh, we're called in worship, hungering for Him. So that's one thing. Number two, build community. We don't have to be alone just because we're physically not with somebody. Use technology. If you haven't embraced it, embrace it. At least know how to use your phone to make a phone call. If you can send a text, that's even better. Make it a habit every day to reach out to one or two people. And this is also a time, we're not promised tomorrow to make amends yeah. with people that uh, that maybe we have had conflict or, or you know things have not gone well. So build community, stay connected, call me, email me. That's what I'm here to serve the people. If I need to call, let me know. And then the third thing, unleash compassion. Although we can't necessarily go and do hands-on things, we can support Operation Hope. We can pray for those leading and the team that's directing that. We can give resources to be able to support that and be a part of it. Seekers International, we can reach out to Jeff and Sylvia, pray for them, ask for an update, support them. I mean, so I would say those three things, continue those three things during this time. Because um, this great pastor told me, you know, sometimes um, you have to see ministry as generations go by. But he, these are certain things. Number one, the man Jesus never changes. The message, the gospel never changes. But what do, does change can be the methods. And it may be that in 10 years, we've moved on from Operation Hope because it's just doing amazing. And we've moved on to something different locally. So the methods can change, but those two things never change, Jesus or the gospel. Amen, amen. And the thing about it is, too, Basilio, is that Operation Hope is a uh, is just a one of many, right? Yeah. So we have many, many, many people in the church, so many of them that want to get busy, want to get their hands dirty, want to go out and touch people's lives. Yeah. You know, in a very, very tangible way. And so there's no reason why we can't duplicate another ministry. Get the, well, Diana came in and she says, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it. She gathered her army together. She has her champion at the church, right? You going out and getting it the word out. Uh, she's not the only one. Many, many of us could start to expand on that and build our teams. And I think our church is starving. Yeah. To really just step into our community, man, and just through this community like a like a Holy Spirit wildfire, and show, like you said, make people get busy so that their hearts change, and now their minds are open to hear those truths of the salvation of the Word of God, yeah. as opposed to said to where it was expected before that we would reach people's minds and uh, first, which would then trickle down to their hearts. Mm -hmm. this, these generations now, we can't assume they know their Bible. We can't yeah. assume. Well, the basic Bible stories, Noah's Ark, uh, the story of Moses, Adam and Eve, all those things, we can't assume anymore that they've been introduced to that at any given point in their life. Right. So starting from, like you said, literally from zero yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, again, during this time, it's, it's taught me again that uh, maybe we have to start doing less of certain things and doing more of certain things. I think that as a church, an American church, um, and so I'm guilty of it at Lighthouse of being busy, but not necessarily productive or effective, you know? And a lot of it has to do with trying to do 15 things when maybe I just need to do two or three things and do them excellent. And I feel like if organizations and really churches, if they were to say, we're going to do four or five things in an excellent manner, we could do 50 or 100 and I'm sure they would be good, beautiful things, but they're not necessarily going to be done excellent. So now's the time to decide if we're going to move forward, if we're going to survive, what are the four or five things that we need to say, okay, this is what we're going to concentrate for the next year or two. Um, if we continue the same way we continue as an American church, with just busyness, uh, with just uh, business as usual, um, you know, the enemy is going to, He's going to have a field day with us. And our task is not to give him any any corner, any any space for anything. It's funny, my my growth group that I lead Sundays uh, at 6 p.m. called Changemakers, we're meeting now on Zoom. But Tate and Sharice Quackenbush, who are part of my group, they have a heart for, for, for the homeless, for reaching out to people that may not have as much. And they came up with this idea, which isn't a new or revolutionary idea, but they said, okay, if we're going to do compassion in this group, 
let's go and put together some little dollar backpacks we could get from the dollar store and fill them with toiletries and uh, non-perishable food. And as we hand these bags out and observe that people need these, let's share the gospel. And so we've been sharing the gospel um, and we're handing out these bags. And I told them when we started, we're going in and we're going to be taking over land that the enemy has taken over. I said, be ready for spiritual warfare. Be ready for things to come at us. Be ready for us to be shut down, for family, for sickness, whatever it is. And we were prayer walking. We were starting this. And then all of a sudden, boom, this pandemic hit. And it's just like, okay, so how do we do this differently now? But that's what happens. This is spiritual warfare. The enemy does not like this. And like I said, I'm seeing persecution from the from the from from the government. Um in, in many ways, and we've been seeing it for years. And I wonder if that's what's going to wake up the church and say, okay, how do we respond? We've been so comfortable for a long time. Yeah. Well, I always say in my Bible studies that a lot of people have a very uncomfortable treaty with Satan. Hmm. Right? I don't mess with you. You don't mess with me. And so they walk their lives on that fine line. You know, they don't want to get too much attention from the enemy. But at the same time, they don't want to stray too far away from the gospel either. So they try to maintain that middle fence ground. And we all know what happens in that when you when you try to straddle the fence. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Ugh. Well, brother, it has been an incredible interview with you. Eye-opening, inspiring. Is there any final word that you'd like to send out to the church to encourage them before we close out our, our interview? You know, all I would say is I love our church. Um, this has been yeah. one of my favorite churches. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm on staff. <laughs> I'm saying that because every person that I've invited to our church as a guest and the people that just come to our church, they're so inspired by the friendliness, by just the the connection that they can make. And, and our church lighthouse is friendly, is loving, and they give sacrificially with their time with their gifts, with their energy. And, and I feel like we're at a point where people are saying, man, if this is the last stand, especially our, our older people, which I call wisdom seekers, because these are the smart people that have life and ministry experience more than I do. That's why I hang out with them. They know more than I do. But these are people that say, man, if this is my last stand and I'm only here for another day or another year or five years, granted us young people, I say I'm young, I'm sure they're younger people than me, but we're not promised tomorrow. But they say, man, we want to go out with a bang. Yes. We want to be unleashed to do something incredible in Oceanside. And yeah. that is powerful. The person that can come and lead that charge and harness it, man, that's going to create another revival. A lot of these revivals started in California. I'm wondering, okay, why can't one start in Oceanside and why can't it be at Lighthouse? Um, Keep in mind that the, the majority in the beginning, the majority of people that supported uh, Alpo Ministry were the Agape, yeah. what called our seasoned saints. Those right? people they, are on fire, man. Charge with her. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, we have great people, and and um, yeah. So that's what I would say. I would say, you know what? Um, be encouraged, because whatever happens in the midst of this situation, and as we move forward, man, God is in control, and let's just hold on to that. Well, Basilio, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Jesus in the Real World. I also will say in closing that uh, when it is all said and done. We are definitely going to remember how you and Scott and Pastor and the rest of the staff in the church were leading examples and uh, and kept that kept us together, kept us protected, kept us solid till the day when we can all return and embrace and hug each other again, or not. However, people want to do it. <laughs> we'll bring back the old, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true, right? How a little but uh, I want you to know, just like I've told Pastor and I told Scott, that what a key player you have been. And reminding me of who I am in the faith, encouraging me to keep, you know, moving, keep moving forward. I, like I said, sometimes obnoxiously, <laughs> uh, but I love it. And I appreciate you. We all appreciate appreciate you and your efforts so yeah. much. Yeah. You know, I will say one quick thing, if you don't mind. Um, as I, um, April 1st was my first year of being on staff as an employee of the church. Obviously, I was there 30 days before for my 30-day um trial or probation period, whatever you want to call it. But April 1st was when I've, you know, completed my first year. And and I want the church to know that in that first year, my task and my goal was to only observe, to see who Lighthouse is, what Lighthouse does, and why. And to, just to love on people, just to spend time with them. 
And as I move, as I've moved into this year two, uh, and, and moving forward, you know, I, I get a gist of kind of the feel of the church and their strengths and, you know, some of the challenges. And, and, and so for those that have been asking, okay, why aren't we doing this and this and this? Well, you can't just go in and just start changing the world. You have to observe and love and get a feel for the, the organism because the church is an organism. It's a living, a living organism. Yes, yes. So, right. um, so for those of people that are excited about what we can do, man, I'm telling you, let's keep our eyes on God. And uh, as we move year two, year three, whatever it is that God gives us, man, let's stay on fire for him. Amen, brother. Well, God bless you, man. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll share another burrito soon. You got it. Sounds good, brother. I appreciate it. Beloved saints, thank you so much for joining us for this fourth episode of the Jesus in the Real World podcast with our interview with Basilio Ramirez, our worship pastor there at Lighthouse Christian Church. He's done an amazing job in reaching out, keeping us focused, keeping us strong, keeping us together, and working, helping us work through uh, this tough time in, of, of this pandemic and uh, so much more. I want to just remind you about Operation Hope. If you're interested in helping out in any way, shape, or form, you can contact us at 760-518-5359. 760-518-5359 and uh, let us know how you would like to help out. Also, stay tuned for episode 5 of the podcast where we interviewed Teresa Pexen and her team who went to the Philippines on a missionary trip funded um, in part by the Agape uh, Sunday School Bible Study. So join us then. Until then, stay focused, stay strong, Stay close to our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, saints.